0: Hello, this is Kelly Leonard, host of The Boost Podcast. Big shout out to our sponsor, Where'sMyMeeting.com. Where'sMyMeeting.com is an audio-visual production company that focuses on creating live, hybrid, and virtual events. They not only supply audio and video equipment, On-site technicians and production managers to conferences of all sizes, they also live stream the production themselves, taking all of the work out of your hands and providing you the peace of mind of knowing that your event will go off without a hitch. They can provide the platform to host your event virtually, which most audio video companies just don't do. You want your next event to be high quality? Well, check out my friends at where'smymeeting.com and be sure to let them know that you heard about them on The Boost Podcast. Welcome to The Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. As part of my TV show, Small Business Network, I recently interviewed Carrie Fox. Carrie is the founder and CEO of Mission Partners Benefit LLC, a women owned social impact communications firm and certified B Corporation. During our conversation, we explored the differences between social and for profit founders, what it means to be a B corporation, conscious capitalism, and lots more. The part of Boost we cover is tap into new markets. So here's Carrie. Welcome to the program, Carrie.
1: Hi, Kelly. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. It is so good to see you this morning. And I just want to jump right into this very important topic and let's start by just talking about the fact that mission partners operates in what's called an impact economy and so tell us a little bit more about what it means to have a triple bottom line in business
1: i sure will i'd be happy to and thanks for dedicating some time to this topic I might just take a half pause first and tell folks just a a bit about me and how I come to the world, because I think it's important to the answer of this question. But for folks um, who may not know about our work, I'm a social entrepreneur, a strategic communicator, I'm an author, but most importantly, I am the mom to a middle schooler and to an elementary schooler who keep me questioning and challenging the world around me. And I'll always say the best way to see the world is through a child's eyes. Uh, For those of you who are visually impaired and listening today, I am 5'4". I've got a medium complexion. I've got a brown angled bob haircut. Today I'm wearing a white blouse. The impact economy that I am part of is so embedded into who I am. Um, I went to a Jesuit university. I abide by something called cura personalis, which is care for the whole person, And what I love a top line, what an impact economy is, is it's not a bottom line philosophy. It's not business, business driven by what the shareholder, I'm sorry, what, yeah, what the shareholder wants it to be. It's not business driven by the dollar. It's business driven by people and planet and then profit. And so I look at mm. business a lot differently than a traditional small business uh, owner might. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing.
0: Excellent, thank you for that. And I love just the the way that you brought accessibility into this conversation and really um, it speaks volumes to what you shared about seeing the whole person. And so thank you for the way that you kicked this conversation off because I think it's a really important one. I know a lot of companies uh, struggle with how to evolve sort of age old business practices and operations to be better for the world, essentially. And so how would you guide an organization to start this whole process? Uh, because I'm sure it feels a bit daunting and overwhelming. It
1: sure does, and especially for organizations who have been around for decades, maybe even over a hundred years. and. In uh, our world, there's there's quite a few like that family run businesses that are generations old and now thinking about how do we move forward? How do they adopt and evolve as an organization? You know, I always say start where start where you are, right? The best place to start is right where you are. And thinking about what do you want the future to hold? What do you want your legacy to be? And then what is required for you to get there? There's always time to make a change. There's always time to question how and why you do something to think about if that's really giving you the outcome you want. And Kelly, again, a a bit of background, you know, I started working in agencies when I was 16 years old before I really knew any better, before I knew what I was getting into. And what I saw fairly quickly in business is that it's not very forgiving, right? In, in my industry, a lot of agencies, you leave yourself at your door, you do the job, you achieve the goals of your job and of your clients, and then you go home. And I realized pretty early on that there's a different way to go about business. And it starts first by really asking those questions. What do I want the impact to be? What are the intended and unintended impacts of the actions that I'm making? And for a small business, that's everything from who are my vendors and am I thinking about aligning with vendors that that match and mirror my values or am I doing things that on surface might seem like they are supporting my mission, but might actually be detrimental or perpetuating even some of the issues that I care about and I'm trying to solve. But long and short of it is that idea of starting where you are, asking questions and exploring if there's a better or different way to go about delivering the work.
0: Yeah, and so what you described sounds like it takes a great deal of intentionality, right? And I know there's probably, uh, you were really intentional about saying people, planet, profit, and probably there's no mistake in that order, but traditional business typically flips that on its head, right? It's, well, and I don't even know oftentimes if planets even in that equation, but certainly profit ranks way up there in how decisions are made. And so practically speaking, what are some of the the things that you had to do in order to really um, approach this whole way of being or way of doing business such that you did honor in that order people, planet, and then profit? Such a good question.
1: I mentioned first I went to a Jesuit university. I did not study business. I studied communications. And so I often think I've got a leg up because I wasn't, brought into business through a traditional business lens. I didn't say this is the way it needs to be, but instead said, how could it be? And so that was a really important first step, but at mission partners, we don't answer to a shareholder. Um, we think about who are our stakeholders. And in our case, the most important audience we have is our employees. And then we think Mm. about, are we first, we think about, are we doing right by our employees? Are we doing right Mm -hmm. by our community? Are we doing right by our planet? It's the only one we have. And then ultimately, or at the end of the day, I should say, it's, are we doing right by our owners? It is never the other way around. And so what that has meant as I've gotten into business and, and thought about how I want business to run and what I want to leave behind, I've started to ask myself and my leadership team have started to ask questions of, what could we change about how business operates? And that means, how do we think about public accountability? How do we report out even though we're a private company we don't have to share we release a public impact report once a year that talks about our impact on our community and with our employees and we share that publicly at impact.mission.partners once a year it's updated and so incredible transparency in terms of how we run the business we think about mm. the distribution of profits. We don't hold those profits up top at the ownership level, but we think about how are we spreading wealth across the company, including at the junior most level. We're thinking about opportunities for wealth building at every level. We're thinking about and and through that lens, we think about things like our 401k and ensuring that the investments we offer our employees are also in line with our values. So we do an impact investing model, which again is not typical for a small business, but is also a very easy shift to make. Um, we think mm-hmm. about our benefits. How much wellness time are we giving? Do we give sabbatical time? Do we give people days off to vote? Um, truly there's, there's no part of the business where that B Corp commitment that people planet profit isn't showing up in how we run the business. And quite honestly, Kelly, it's been an incredible and, and often fun journey to really challenge why there's a norm in business that looks one way and what could it look like if we tried it another way? And so it's, it's been really rewarding to be part of this amazing B Corp community.
0: Yeah, and I love what you shared. One of the things that I'm mindful of too is that in this ecosystem that, you've, that you're building, um, the importance of being, I guess, you know, for lack of better definition, equally yoked with your vendors, with your banker, with whomever it might be, because you know, uh, I'd imagine that conversations with your banker, for example, might be quite different when given your approach to business, where the bottom line isn't what's you know, sort of the all-important uh, measuring stick of how well you're doing, the impact that you're having, and so how do you then? um become really intentional about building that ecosystem like and i know you right and i definitely want to ask you about what does it mean to be a b corp because you drop that in there and i'm sure there's some folks who are like oh, you know what i've kind of heard of that but i'm not really sure what that means so let's do that let's talk about what it means to be a b corp and then share with us how As being a B Corp, how has that changed the way that you approach the ecosystem, the way that you deal with vendors, who your suppliers are, how you hire all those? I know this is more than a 30 minute conversation and I'm so excited to have it with you, but just (laughs) let's dig into what it means to be a B Corp. (laughs) Sure thing.
1: So B Corp stands stands for Benefit Corporation. And you can both have a legal B Corp structure and a tax B Corp structure. We happen to have both. And so we are um, a Maryland benefit corporation. Not every state has a benefit corporation title. And so I think we're really lucky to be in the state we are, that Mm. our state values the benefit corporation model. So we're a Maryland benefit corporation. Um, But also as a B Corp, as a certified B Corp, we are one of only a couple thousand in the world who have committed to thinking about doing business better. We are um, required to deliver out and report on our impact, similar to the way a nonprofit would once a year deliver their year-end report or their annual report. We're doing that too on the state of our business. And um, Mm -hmm. as noted at the top, we're thinking about what is our impact, not just in support of the business owners themselves and uh, the benefit that the shareholders are receiving but what lasting impact can we have on the people that we connect directly with in our in our case we value most of the employees and then we think about the impact we're having on our clients on our community and our vendor what's the benefit or impact we can deliver to the planet how can we offset the the changes and challenges to our planet um, what changes can we make or policies can we roll out that support the uh, growth and support of our planet and then again finally we think about profit and even in that profit category we're th- we're looking at things like ratios of how much does the highest paid person in the company get or what what are they paid versus the lowest mm-hmm. paid at any moment person in the company and that could be an intern and we ensure that it will never be more than five times difference where in a large corporation, you might see that as 250 times difference. So it's Mm. a big shift on how we think about that distribution of profits, which is really important to us. Um, We became a benefit corporation in 2017. The movement has been around for um, over 10 years now and really has exploded in these last few years. So for organizations who are in this purpose driven space, who might be thinking, "Hmm, we act like a B Corp, maybe we should go for it. I always say the easiest way to explore how you're doing and could do as a B Corp is you can go on the B Corporation website and actually take a, um, a, a, essentially a bit of a self audit to see what your score would be. Mm. You need to pass a minimum score to determine if then you would be able to go through certification. Um, It's it's robust, it's difficult, but it is well worth it to then be inside a community that is asking hard questions, that is challenging how business can run. And ultimately, at the end of the day, some of these businesses, the growth that they are seeing year over year is exponential because they are, in fact, centering their purpose and their values in work. And that's what today's employee, today's consumer, that's what that they demand, right? So, so we're glad to be part of that movement. Awesome.
0: And I'd imagine, is there, because I, I could see where someone listening might think, well, what separates a B Corp from a nonprofit? Are there like, what, what does distinguish the two designations?
1: Right. So we are a profitable business. The The point is still for mission partners to make money. It's just the fact that we're making money to then distribute money. But we're not a grant making organization. We're not a fundraising organization. We are a for profit company. We just think very differently about how those profits are distributed.
0: Now, and I'd also be curious to know, because again, the fact that you center so much of your organization on the wellness and stability, the health, if you will, of its people, how do you perceive sort of this wave of, of B Corporation and this idea of people first? Um, and when you hear about the great resignation, right? We're hearing with COVID, mm-hmm. there's this great re- resignation where people are just like, you know, enough. I'm quitting my job and I'm gonna go you know, do something that I love, something that I can get behind, something that's missionally focused and that really fuels my passion. How do you see B Corps potentially playing a role in addressing some of the challenges that folks are seeing around the great resignation?
1: I love that question, Kelly, on so many levels, because I think it comes back to this idea of how are you valued in the workplace as an employee? Are you showing up every day feeling like you've got an employer and a manager who sees you, who hears you, who's willing to understand what your experience and advocate for you? I can't speak universally, but I would say generally, that's what you're going to feel inside B Corporations. And certainly that's what I would hope everyone feels inside my organization and and the difference is thinking about we need bodies to do the work versus we value each individual as an individual and the expertise and the talent that they bring to the team so again it comes back to some of those traditional norms in business that we so long have taken for granted in a capitalistic society things like urgency and uh independence and individualism right We're, we're challenging those things because we know we are so much better as a whole than we are as individuals that my success is not dependent on just me that it's 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 all inclusive of how we are doing as a company um we often talk about mission partners as a teaching hospital right one of the best measures of success is how well we have prepared our employees for wherever they go next should they decide to go somewhere next right my my hope is they would stay Mm. with us for a long time but many of our employers i'm sorry employees are young. They're just getting into the workforce. They're thinking about what's next for them. And I love being able to set people up for long-term success.
0: You know, and that brings up a really great um, thought that I had because I know you're, you're, a B Corp and you're a small business. And when you talk about sort of this whole career pathing path and what that looks like and how you might be in service to your employees, what does that look like for you all? Because of course, in a small business, you only have but so many opportunities for, let's say, acceleration. And so I, what I would imagine a lot of small company space um, in particular is this idea that you've got this um, a, a group of of employees, these team members who are perhaps very new in their career. They're very ambitious with what they would like to do, but there are minimal opportunities inside of your organization. So as a B Corp, I'd imagine that you all are very heavily engaged in stewarding your team members into those new roles, whatever they might look like. So can you describe what that might look like inside of a B Corp or or specifically in your organization? Sure, absolutely
1: so we think about it as you've got a job and you've got a job title but that's not limited to the growth plan that you can have we actually released our growth plan to our employees everyone can literally see the role they're in and what it takes the criteria to jump up to the next level so we're constantly having those conversations In our one on ones with our employees to determine where are you and where do you want to be and how do we help you get there? How can we advocate for you along the way? So that's the one path is making sure that transparency is always uh, front and center in terms of the manager and managed relationship, that there's some open, a clear line of communication to where you are and where you want to be. On the flip side of that, Mm -hmm. not everyone always knows where they want to be. They know that they are hired for a job and they're learning along the way and they want to be exposed to more opportunities. And so we think about leadership at every level. So maybe you are really into fitness and you want to be on the wellness committee and that creates an opportunity for you to lead the team. Maybe you're really interested in pro bono when you can support on shaping the pro bono program and that becomes a part of your leadership portfolio. Um, maybe you're really interested in managing. And so um, one will create space for you to take the classes and courses to become a good manager. Um, and enormous shout out to the management center where we send most of our employees and we love their curriculum. Um, so investing in the employee that allows them to then think about where they want to be. So there's both that traditional growth in terms of what's my job title now and what is it? What do I want it to be? But also all of those mm-hmm. comes back to the care of personalities, right? That well-rounded view of who are you as a person and what are you passionate about and what do you want to learn about? And when can we create the space for you to learn about that here and then actually bring it back and, and become in a leadership role to share, share what you've learned with others?
0: Awesome. Thank you for that sort of the sharing what that career pathing looks like, because I do know that that is a bit of a challenge um, in small business and in particular where you have limited um, opportunities for upward mobility. So so thanks for sharing how you all approach it. Now, one thing that I would because I were you going to say something?
1: Just one thing really quick, Kelly, that someone very, very early on, I started my first business when I was 25 years old. I knew nothing about business. I was learning as I was going. And someone early on said, if you are a $50,000 business this year, act like you're a $500,000 business. And if in five years you're a $500,000 business, act like you're a $5 million business. Don't be limited to the size that you are now and think that you can't be you know, going beyond or thinking beyond what's typically offered at that level, because it's going to set you up to grow into that position. And I've really
0: leaned into that um, advice. Well, and thank you. And that's actually a great segue to the question that I was going to ask you, because I wanted to sort of rewind a bit and talk about founders and ask you, are, you are there fundamental differences between social and then for profit founders?
1: I think there are. And I think a lot of it comes down to the value set that the purpose driven founder may carry versus the more traditional founder set that is um, driven by a traditional business model. Um, so when we think about scale, when a purpose driven leader thinks about scale, they often first think about scaling the employees in terms of the employee uh, opportunity for growth. How are we scaling our impact in our community? How are we thinking about the long-term benefit to our community? And often that's through that lens of values. Are we thinking about creating a business that makes decisions through our values, not makes the decision through our governance? And Mm. we see this time and time again, The the hardest place that people get stuck in this is they have the best of intentions. And then they bring their big idea to their board and their board says, no, too much risk there. That's not where we're going. Stay focused on the benefit that you can return to the uh, to the shareholders. That's the biggest rub. So for values based, for purpose driven, they're willing to take what still in some cases are considered the risks when in reality, it's the greatest benefit and greatest impact you can be having if you're thinking outside of the traditional purpose-driven, I'm sorry, the, the traditional profit-driven model.
0: So, and, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree that a um, profit or for-profit or traditional founder can make that shift and pivot into more social or value-based approach to how they do their work. Um, What was it that moved you that caused you? Because I know you mentioned in 20, I think you said 2017 was when you all made the shift to become a B Corp. Was there something that happened that you had some sort of epiphany or some life moment that caused you to want to make that shift? There were a few things that
1: happened. One, we were coming in 2016, 2017, we were coming into a very divisive election. We were thinking about the world around us. We we were thinking about the role we wanted to play in that work. Um, Leading up to Mission Partners, I was running an agency that was well known nationally as a boutique public relations firm. We were storytellers and it was eating at me that all I was doing was helping people tell stories. I wasn't getting at the root of the stories we were helping organizations tell. And so if we were helping nonprofits tell stories about ending homelessness, but not seeing any change in the numbers of homeless individuals, that was not working for us. And so we wound down that business. We said this is for long term impact. This is not having the benefit we want, even though many clients and individuals recognized and respected us as a purpose driven business. I knew we could do better. And so we wound down CFOX Communications, and I started Mission Partners with the intention to become a B Corporation. At the end of our first year, we got that certification, we clarified our values, we built our leadership team. Um, We even put something in place called Mission Lock, which is if ever I am to walk away from the business, whoever takes it on is essentially required to still lead the business through the same value set um, and so we deeply wow. wanted to embed in the structure of the business long term impact that's not for the benefit of the owner, but for the benefit of the community.
0: Oh my gosh, Carrie! There, there was so so. I have so many questions that I want to ask you. Like, okay, but and you changed the name and you did all these things. And what did the rebrand look like? And what was that process? And and, and it was of course, so you hard. make it sound it was so hard. <laughs> I can only imagine but you know you were like oh you know we just made the decision and so but but realistically from a um if you had to say like from start to finish what did that process in terms of the timeline look like for you you made the decision that you were going to pivot to b corp and then you became a b corp like was it years was it months just because i do want to make sure that anyone who's listening um is given a realistic uh picture of what that process might look like because I just I can't imagine that it's just an overnight decision. It's a great question. I started
1: questioning the evolution that I wanted the business to take in 2015 and I realized that there were a couple shifts happening including in my industry. So what was changing was public relations and media relations and if we kept up as a business that was just storytelling and media pitching eventually we would not be a business anymore anyway. So I saw a shift in our business model that needed to happen. At the same time, I started to watch and see what was happening in the world. And as I noted, that was really the driver, the, the big impact for me to move quick. But if I, if I were to think about that, conversation started in 2015 on, I need to think about what the evolution of this company looks like. By early 2016, I was, I was certain that it was going to need to be a wind down. This wasn't a rebrand. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a shift of focus. CFOX literally needed to wind down. So we could start all over again and learn from mm. the first 13 years of business that I had and build it up just the way that we wanted to. So I think if you zoom out, there's probably a two year window there with really okay. a focused one year of all of the actions that I had to take to wind down one operation and start up another.
0: Gotcha. So in our last couple of minutes together, I would love to dig into, you know, the whole the the shifting towards um, ca- conscious capitalism. And so is. do you perceive this as being a trend or do you think that this is a way that business is moving for good, this whole notion of con- conscious capitalism? So two things, conscious
1: capitalism is not a trend. Across the board, we see some of the world's largest companies becoming more focused on the impact they can have and realizing that employees are their most important stakeholder, right? Employees won't allow this to become a trend. Um, But what I'm concerned about is that there is a lot of what we call purpose washing. There's a lot of organizations who are talking about the work they're having, but not deeply considering the impact of their work inside their own organization. They're not yet having the depth of difficult conversation that they need to, Mm. to look at the roots of capitalism. And that's really, really hard work. Um, But that's what I'd like to continue continue to see happen and evolve is that businesses are one, making a commitment to be purpose-driven, two, exploring more deeply the ramifications of the decisions and the implications of the decisions that they're making.
0: And you know what, Carrie, that can be a show in and of itself, right? So I'm going to have to get you back on the program so that we can dig deeper into that topic, because this we're at the end of our program. And this has been such a wonderful, rich conversation. I just appreciate everything that you and your team Um, at Mission Partners does. So thank you for the way that you're just shining in the marketplace. Congratulations on the numerous awards that you all have won in this space. And so just keep doing great things.